Mark, man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much for coming on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on the show today. I'm excited. It's awesome. Uh, as as someone that is uh, kind of so so passionate about everything strength sports, I think it's uh, it's it's about time to have you on the show. You know, you've made such an incredible boom through multiple points of your life uh, in, in strength sports, kind of uh, transforming yourself, coming from the, the the incredibly successful strong powerlifter that you were to to the incredible kind of freak of nature conditioned athlete that, that you are now even at the, the the age that you are i think you uh you speak to a lot of people uh throughout the strength sport so i'm interested to kind of to hop into uh kind of your your general evolution so going from where you started obviously blowing up being a, a big strong thick motherfucker picking up pushing strong big big weights how how did you find the climb to success and then when you realize that you had to leave that because i've spoken to andy bolton about this before and he's kind of said you know he stayed in the game a little bit too long he realized that he probably should have kind of got out a bit earlier and that he was a bit stupid about things and his kind of progression to kind of uh, being a little bit more functional after he left the game obviously he had a few health issues dropping that weight and the kind of the progression for a lot of great athletes i feel like they, they blow up, they get huge, they get fucking strong, they break records, and then it's a case of, okay, got to start stripping away some of that, that vile fat. So, so how did you find that, and how did you cope with it? Luckily for me, I got kicked out of the sport, so um, <laughs> that, was, that was a really uh, good thing. You know, I, I did a 1,085 squat. I successfully did a 1,080 squat, and then the next competition – uh, that I was preparing for, I, I, I felt ready to squat around 11, 15 or so. Uh, I had a really good training cycle, and my body weight was a little, like, quote-unquote, uh, lowish. I was about 290, um, and the weight class is 308, 308-pound weight class, so you can weigh you know anything under 308, and you're good to go, and you're in that weight class, and you're not considered a super heavyweight, so... Uh, as I was getting ready for the competition, it was about two weeks out and I was like, man, I better like eat up to my weight class, you know? So I just got like really big and bloated. And then, uh, by the time I got to the competition, um, I was like the stay puff marshmallow man trying to stuff myself into my squat suit. I, uh, successfully blew up my first attempt squat, which was like, um, I think it was like a thousand or it was like 980 or 990 or something like that just smashed it it was super smooth super easy and i was like oh this is going to be a you know awesome day but as i'm as i went back to kind of like the warm-up area my i started kind of losing some feeling in my leg i'm like oh man this is going to be i only did one attempt and like my leg is kind of falling asleep which some of these things happened when you were in powerlifting gear back in the day and you have to be really cautious on how long you were in your knees knee wraps and things of that nature and, uh, so anyway, then the leg just kind of got worse and worse as we went through the flight, you know, in a, in a powerlifting meet sometimes could be 15 minutes before you hop up there again, especially in the old days when they had the powerlifting gear, it's like, it took a while for each guy to set up when he had a yeah. grand and stuff like that. So anyway, you know, I, I, you know, went to go up for my attempt and my leg was just feeling really numb, but I was like, 
Fuck it. This has happened training before. It's not a big deal. And as I went down, I just kind of, I kind of just lost like my proprioception of that leg. It was like, you know, if you're taking a dump for too long, if you're on your phone, you're, uh, and you're messing around on your phone while you're on the toilet and your legs fall asleep, it was like that, you know. And so my legs were not really under me. And one leg kind of shot inward, the other leg kind of shot outward, and I got propelled into the uh, front of the monolift, which. You know, later ended up making for some good video where I did yeah, like, fuck, fuck your elbow video uh, <laughs> type of stuff. But yeah, I, you know, so that that changed things for me a lot. I don't, you know, I haven't really spoke about it a ton, but like I was, I was really, really messed up for months. Um, what being the worst part about the psychological and physical? Um, it was probably a combination of the two. The physical was really, really bad. Like, and I. I'm too stubborn, so I didn't like ever. I never went to a doctor or anything like that. I just, yeah, I just, uh, you know, stayed at home and licked my wounds. But I didn't, you know, I don't think I really broke anything. I I, I went to, uh, I went to a friend of mine who's, who does like acupuncture and stuff, and he was like, "What are they going to show you? You know, you're going to get your, you'll get your, uh, you know, X-ray or MRI." He's like, "It's just going to tell you that you're messed up." He's like, "You already know you're messed up. You've been messed up for years." He's like. And you're not going to compare it to, you know, he goes and compare it to what? Compare it to your good leg or compare it to, you know, some x-rays or MRIs of years past. And he's like, you don't have any of that information. He's like, so it doesn't matter. And he's like, you probably didn't break anything. And I was like, all right, good. But yeah, the, the whole thing was was uh, was tough to come back from. And then I always fell. I always felt like I was going to fall when I was squatting. Like just like still to this day, if I get a, if I get a heavy weight on there. I kind of always feel like I'm pitching forward, like I'm going to lose the lose the weight either forward or backward or like just don't have the greatest balance when it comes to that kind of thing for whatever reason. Yeah, and uh, once that happened, it, it messed me up, you know, physically and mentally. But I did get back in the gym. Um, How long I did it take? Walking. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't like, you know, retired. It took it took me like about a year to be able to. uh you know, move around weight again and stuff like that. But I was never, I was never as strong as I was. Uh, I was never as like, it, it was, um, it, I was just so hungry for it. You know, when I was, but before I fell, I was so hungry for it. And then, you know, when something like that happens, it makes you kind of rethink things a little bit. And, uh, I just wasn't as hungry for it to be totally honest. I just wasn't, uh, it wasn't the only thing that I had either. I also had slingshot. I had a business going. I have, I have kids and it, it made me kind of realize like, I kind of thought as many lifters do, I know you do strongmen and stuff too. As many people know, you know, you get so caught up in it. You think that's all you have, you know? And I clearly didn't just have power lifting. I had a wife, I had a family, I had a gym, I had a team, I had all these other things and I, and I had a business to attend to. So when that happened, I kind of turned around and looked and, and there were all those things kind of waiting for me. Like, yeah, we've been waiting for you. So, <laughs> so here we go. And then that, that was able to, I, from there, um, the transition was easy because I had other things to concentrate on. I had other things to be good at. And then I was also on a mission to get jacked and tanned to get in good shape and to still be able to put up uh, good numbers. And so from there, I made it a mission to I made it a point to like come back and actually do a powerlifting meet because I was like you can't go out like a chump that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I did a uh, I did a full a full power meet uh, raw with just um, just knee wraps. Uh, 
did a 1901 total, nothing earth shattering. Um, really struggled with my squat on that particular day. But yeah, I came back into the sport and then played around with some bench competitions here and there and benched uh, my best raw bench is 578. And uh, that's kind of some of the more modern stuff that people have probably seen of me. I've tore my pec with 600 pounds and tore my pec many, many times. But anyway, um, yeah, I kind of got I kind of got pushed out of the sport. And then even just more recently, um, I've been very thankful that I've moved on because of how strong people are right now. You know, <laughs> you, you know I, I, I did a deadlift. This is like a couple months ago. I, I pulled 500. I want to say, I want to say I pulled like 495 pounds and I did a set of, I did a couple sets of three and it was feeling really good. And the bar was whipping around and like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like a stud and I'm just about to like post it. Like I go on Instagram and I'm about to post it. And there's Steffi Cohen doing like a set of seven with five. <laughs> I'm like, this, uh, this isn't worth the shit. I'm like, I'm not posting this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's hard when you're comparing yourself to the fucking strongest motherfuckers on the face of the earth, man. It's uh, everything makes you feel weak, you know what I'm saying? Wow. It's amazing how strong some of the people are out there right now. And I think I think the change, uh, the shift happened with frequency. I think when I was coming through, we didn't know about frequency. Most people did stuff about once a week, um, maybe twice a week. You know, maybe somebody would do like a you know, a speed bench on one day and a heavy bench on another. But now you see a lot of the younger guys and girls doing kind of light, medium, heavy three times a week. Yeah. And they're able to get great results from that. But, you know, I, I do, I don't see people lasting as long as they used to with some of those methods. Now, I, why I think, do you think that is? What do you think is, is not giving them that, that same longevity? Are their bodies just not conditioned to that heavy fucking ass weight that you need to have? It's too stressful. I think it's the same as trying to always lose weight. You know, I have so it's many hard. friends. Anybody that I know that counts their macros, that's counting their calories, they're all on the same exact diet. All these, especially from like a guy's standpoint, the girls I don't know as much about, but like every guy, it's like you can pinpoint their, their exact macronutrient count, their exact calorie count, because they're all on the same plan. They're all like having around 2,000 calories a day. But they exercise their faces off all the time. And you're like, you're not giving yourself enough nutrients to really ever uh, grow or expand. And so I think from a lifting perspective, I think uh, you know people are just beating the crap out of themselves a little too much. This quarantine should be uh, a good lesson for everybody to see how overtrained they've been. I mean uh, – your, your sleep can really change. Your sleep can really improve a lot. Yeah. Uh, people train so much. They have like sexual dysfunction. I, I mean, it's just, it, the list goes on and on. And we just, you're, we're accepting of some of these things because we're like, oh, you know, it's just, I've, I've had lifters tell me like, man, I hate getting ready for a meet because I'm just like pissing blood for the last like couple weeks. I'm like, well, why, what the why, fuck? Why are, you pissing, why are you pissing blood? First of all, secondly, why are you accepting of this? Like, why don't you not do the meat and like see, you know, figure out what's, you know, what the hell's going on? The, uh, you know, blood shooting out of the nose. I've seen blood coming out of people's ears. I've seen blood coming out of people's eyes. You know, you just get accepting of, of these things are going to, ha- you know, you're going to be real like <clears throat> destructive to yourself. But I think the frequency, I think if you can get your body to get used to that frequency, if you can, if you can train more often and be in shape enough to recover from those workouts. I think uh, you're really onto something, and I see Steffi Cohen's been doing it for a long time. I'm I'm not really aware of any, and and her husband too, Hayden. I'm not really aware of any like 
injuries that they've had. I, I think they've both gotten banged up here or there, but yeah, they seem to be doing great. And then uh, their hybrid um, training that they have for people, I think, is is working very very well. So I just think it's just maybe some people are just pushing too hard. They're competing too often, um, but. I think the frequency is the big difference maker. I think it is the thing that that helped a lot of these young people uh, jump past what we were able to do years ago. Yeah, I think we're definitely saying now, I think you can probably relate to this, is as it's like people are, I think people are competing a hell of a lot more because I feel like people are just trying to put themselves out there. You know, a lot of people are relying on their meat results to bring in incomes via new training clients using you know all those sweet professional shots for all that sexy instagram content and shit and people are losing track of what the fuck they're actually doing it for do you know what i mean and it's like okay well if if you are truly sat there and you're like okay i want to be the strongest i can be and maximize my potential then why the fuck are you doing six powerlifting meets in a year you do <laughs> you do one powerlifting meet and you would put everything into that right so i think it's it's that case now it's it's people now need to make the realization of okay do i want to have longevity in this sport and do i want to get the most out of it or am i in this for the the short run the quick fame on the gram hitting those big numbers making the money while i can and then invariably in 10 years time you're going to be like hey you remember that guy and you're like oh yeah what the fuck happened to him man It's interesting, though, because, you know, you can do a lot, you know, without competing as well, especially now, you know, like uh, for a while there, Larry Wheels didn't compete <clears throat> for 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 a few years. And then all of a sudden he came back and like he had this crazy total and no one even mentioned no one even it was weird, man. I was I went to the Arnold this year and obviously because of COVID and everything, um, things were just way different. But Larry Wheels did like a twenty three hundred something pound raw total he benched like 620. He pulled like he pulled like mid eights. He squatted mid eights. I think. I mean, he went he went crazy. He just it was just this crazy competition. I mean, he did so well. He broke the all time world record. Um, he's a multiple world record holder. No one even cared. And like he was like sitting in the crowd, like watching the other lifters, like in between like him breaking this all time world record. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like. This is so weird. I'm like, there would be so many people gathered around to like watch this, you know, if, if it was normal circumstances. But, you know, a, a guy like that, you know, he w- he's done really well even without competing. You know, I know he started out competing when he was young, but he probably went like a three or four year period without competing. He was just doing stuff on Instagram, taking pictures with camels and shit like that and and doing kind of like some weird feats of strength and and things of that nature. And and probably making a uh, probably making a good living for himself, which I think is pretty cool. But I think people have to also understand and realize, like, you know, there's only one Larry Wheels. <laughs> you know, like, there's only Everyone's one. Everyone's a guy. genetic freak. Yeah, he he's he's an anomaly, right? He's he's uh, he's different than than the rest of us. But <clears throat> I think people see that and they're like, he's always lean. He's always jacked. He's always strong. Like, I I want to I want to do that. And it's like, well, for most people. You have to kind of pick and choose whether you're going to like bulk, be strong for a while. You might even have to take a couple of years. It might even be wise for someone to take three or four years, really work on building, really work on bulking, maybe work on, you know, if you're doing strongman, you're working on that static strength for a while because that deadlift is such a key component to what's going on nowadays. And so like maybe you're just working on a couple of things, but it takes a long time 
to acquire some of these traits and to sports. Yeah, and it's that whole thing. And, and, you know, I think you're, again, someone that can speak brilliantly on this. And I've spoken to a few people. It's that whole kind of like trial and error mentality of it's like it sucks shit but there's no other way and it's so humbling because it's like you know the people that are still here like the people like you that are are the cornerstones of the industry is that you're here you've had the longevity that you've had because you've done everything man you've done the 10 by 10s you've done the gvt you've done the conjugate you've done the fucking shaker you've done everything can you know what works for you and then you take all those best bits and then it just means that you can continue doing your shit for way 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 longer but the vast majority of the people don't want to put in that time they want a cookie cutter program they want to be told what to do and they want to expect that they're going to feel incredible they're going to have perfect performance optimal recovery health and it's like Dude, you got to get some skin in the game. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know, I, I uh, I've been very fortunate. Like, I'm still able to do all the exercises. You know, I'm still able to do. <clears throat> there's not really. I mean, if you're like, hey, do like a handstand push up or something like that, I, I've, <laughs> never, I've never even tried one. You know, so like, I don't. No, I, that probably wouldn't go very well. Um, I can't do like a backflip or something like that. But like most of the exercises I've been able to do from the time I was a kid. I, I still have full access to. I can still do them all. I can still go in there and squat, bench, deadlift. Um, if I if I felt like re, you know uh, coming out of retirement for powerlifting, I could do that. I just don't feel like um, I feel like at my height and for me to exhibit my best amount of strength, I need to be quite a bit heavier than I am right now. And I just I I don't want to really mess with that anymore. Um, <clears throat> but. I think, you know, so I think sometimes people think of uh, like powerlifters, they just think like you can only do it for so long, but I think I'll be doing it on and off, I think, the rest of my life, you know, I look at guys like Matt Wenning, um, look at Chris Duffin, you know, Chris Chris Duffin, Chris Duffin really pushed the envelope too, right? I mean, squatting a thousand pounds for multiple, I think, three reps, um, deadlifting 900 pounds and like I th- maybe he's maybe he deadlifted a thousand pounds yeah I think he did a thousand pounds and deadlift too but I mean you can do the sport safely and you can do it for a long time you just probably it's just probably very difficult to it's it's very difficult to um be so like meticulous and so militant about it for for so long like usually that that consumes a lot of energy for most people there's a couple guys that have been kind of doing it for 20, 30 years. I basically competed for about 25 years from the time I was, you know, pretty young. And uh, I just, and luckily for me, you know, I did have some injuries along the way. I, I tore a pec, I tore a tricep, I tore a bicep. Um, but, you know, I, I have like a little bit of tendonitis in my, in my knee, a little bit of tendonitis in my elbow. My hip bugs me sometimes when I squat. It's like I got nothing to complain about. I'm I'm able to do if I want to go and do a CrossFit workout, I can do it. If I want to do strongman stuff, I can do it. I, the one thing that does kind of bug me is it, it's a, it's pretty difficult for me to do certain strongman movements because of my bicep. Because I I tore the bicep and never had it repaired, and it's like it's just kind of like iffy. I guess is the only way I can explain. Is it just it, like but, a partial tear, or did it yeah, did it fully yeah. roll up, or what? Right, yeah, it didn't fully roll up. So if I if I go to do like a stone or something that. like that, 
yeah, it, it gives that little electrical pull where I'm yeah, like, am dude. I gonna blow this thing off all the way? You know, so um, that, that's the that's the only thing that kind of annoys me. So I'd love to do a little bit of more a little bit more strongman stuff. Yeah, man, it's a, it's it's a very very interesting. Just such a multifaceted sport that I think de- demands so much physically, which is why I just I just love it. There's just so so many different areas to excel in. Um, I, I'm interested to get into. It. Obviously, you know. <laughs> You uh, you mentioned those injuries there, and again, like for a powerlifter, for like, for like people that, that that do this sort of shit, like that's just it's so stand, you know. I mean, I I tore my pec in half. I've done my posterior cruciate ligament. I've done my meniscus. Like I did most of this shit before I was eighteen because I played sports to an elite level, and like this shit just happens. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but what do you think has given you the capability to not have? The you know the crazy tendonitis, the frozen shoulder, the busted hip. What do you think that you've done differently that I think a lot of people in your position would maybe have those injuries? And man, I know people that have had <laughs> injuries way less than that. It's like they disappear off the face of the earth and they can never touch a weight again because they're too scared or they don't have the confidence. You know, I think everything is knowledge based. You know, um, this this is something uh, you know good for your listeners to hold on to. All problems. Any 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 uh, any problem that you can possibly think of can be solved just with one thing, just with more knowledge. You know, like so, can somebody deadlift 1,100 pounds? You know, we've seen two people do it now. Um, it's a matter of knowledge. For Eddie Hall, he had to go to like a certain deep dark place to be able to elicit that strength and have that strength come out of his body. For Hapthor Bjornsson, he's a bigger person. And he just had to get the right training together. He had to have the right, correct knowledge of his training. So here we got Eddie Hall. He had to figure out how can I tap into to be able to maximize uh, my strength the absolute best. And so he had to go to uh, a sports therapist and he had to learn how he was going to make this come out of himself. For Thor, he has he has multiple coaches. He's got a strength coach. He also has uh, Stan Efforting helping him with his nutrition, helping him with his sleep, his recovery, and those things. And so for him, he needed to gain more knowledge. He needed to – these guys need to know that if you're going to do that shit to yourself, if you're going to lift like that and you're going to – you know, it, the, the human body is a lot of give and take, you know. And so if you're going to take from the human body, you better give back to it a lot. Oh, yeah. And if you, and if you listen to – like I had Eddie Hall on the podcast recently and Thor – and both guys talked about how they did stuff all day long for hours on end where you're like, holy shit, like this is some wild stuff. Uh, I think it was Thor who said he does hot, cold uh, contrast back and forth. He does it for an hour every day like that. He does that for one hour every day. He gets massage uh, for one hour every day. He's probably training for – I mean strongman training takes forever to yeah. do. Um, especially if you're doing like events or something, he probably trains for like three. I mean, you start to stack up that amount of hours and, and those amount of things. And it's really, it's really overwhelming. But I think, you know, the, the key to anyone being able to do this stuff and enjoy it for a long period of time is just simply gaining more knowledge and understanding, you know, you hear people say, Oh, you got to listen to your body. Well, listening to your body is, is listening to your body is probably some really bad advice because we're going to to ourselves, you know, I'm going to be like, Hey man, how you feeling? And you'd be like, I'm good, man. What do you want to do? And meanwhile, you're like kind of holding your back. You're like, I hope it doesn't say lift. And and I'm holding my knee saying, I hope it doesn't say squat. 
you know, and, and then, and then we're both, you know, we both try to screw each other over. So we end up squatting and deadlifting. Right. But like, you, you know, asking, you know, asking your body and asking yourself how you feel is, is decent on paper, but you have to, you'd have to really be in tune with what's going on. And that's where you can benefit from having a training partner. That's where you can benefit from having a coach. Your training partner will say, they'll watch you do something in training and they'll be like, you okay, dude? Like, what's like, yeah, you're no, squaring like trying, shit. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to cut you down, but that does not look good. Like, what, yeah. you know, like, and they can see the faces you're making. And if you're doing that with like two plates and you're trying to squat four plates for the day, everyone in the room knows it's going to be like kind of a, kind of a rough, a rough go of it. Right. So I just think it's, it's knowledge. And I think, you know, the people that are listening to this that are maybe newer, to the sport or newer to uh, strength training, just realize it just takes a really long time. It just takes a really long time. It takes, it takes a, uh, it takes like a decent effort and maybe three years or five years to be good at something. You know, you can kind of just, you can kind of just devoting a good time to it as well. Like that's just yeah. not willy nilly. Like you've got to fucking work at it, right? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you gotta, yeah, you have to work at it. It doesn't have to be your whole life, but to be pretty good at something, you can kind of just, you can do it for three to five years. Um, and it doesn't have to consume every hour of your day. But if you want to be great at something, then it's going to take every single thing that you have. And for each person, it's different. You know, like if you're a, if you're gifted, you know, like they ask Bones Jones, they say, Hey man, how do you, how do you do strikes like that? And he's like, I watched YouTube. And then he like walks away. People are like what the fuck? You know, people have been trying. People have been trying to, you know, uh, people have been learning these moves and and doing taekwondo and tai chi and karate and all these different and boxing and kickboxing for years and years and years, and they don't know how to do any of the stuff that he knows how to do. He happens to be really talented, so he can get there a lot faster. For most people, it's going to take an enormous effort, and I hope a lot of people. Uh, I hope a lot of people out there are watching The Last Dance, the the story on the Chicago Bulls and and Michael Jordan that's on ESPN, because that gives you even if you don't like basketball, it gives you an advantage point of you want to be not only did he want to be great, he wanted to clearly be the greatest. If you want to clearly be the greatest, you're going to have to be a complete lunatic. You're going to have to operate on a different level than everybody else. You have to go to a dark place, man. There's no other way. And it's, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's those people that are willing to do that. You know, they are one in a hundred thousand. And the pe those people, the one in a hundred thousand, you know, out of five of those people, one of those people are only going to make it to the top. And the other three, you know, might get 75% of the way there and they fucking twist their ankle on the court and they bust it and that's their Achilles gone and they never play again. And it's like, okay, slapping the face back to reality, motherfucker. Like you got to find someone else to do now. And like, I think that's one thing that's really interesting about like, just like the sports industry in general. Like I grew up, I played rugby to a high standard. I, I trialed for, for England a couple of times, busted my knee, got taken out of the academy, didn't get picked up by England. And it's like, okay, that's just how the system works. And it's like, I think again, once like yourself myself once you've taken those losses and you've been slapped in the face and it's like okay everything that you thought you knew like you with your powerlifting, it's like okay taken away overnight and you're like okay right man now i've got to like reinvent myself and find out what i'm gonna do next and i think it's that interesting thing and again coming back around to 
you know, so many freaking life lessons that I think that the, that the gym teaches you is that it's, it's, you have to put in work and you have to be consistent. And again, I think you are the epitome of those two things, consistent to a fault and just, just always wanting to work hard and better yourself. And I'm interested to, to get into, to obviously you wake up early, you're crazy religious about your routine. At what age did this start? Like, what, were you always like this? Were you super lazy and you're like, man, I got to sort this shit out? Like, how did that come to part? I think I've ended up with a, a decent combination of uh, being lazy and uh, being very hardworking because there was periods of time, you know, when I was just a normal, like, kid, you know, like when I was a teenager, uh, you know, I played a lot of video games with my friends and stuff like that. And so I had a lot of uh, leisure time, but I also was always like in a sport, you know, I was always in like football or I did track, uh, I did boxing for a few years. Um, I was always pretty active. And so when I, as I got more drawn to those things, as I got more drawn to sports and athletics, um, I started to try to figure out like how to be better at those sports. So like when I was playing football, I remember like when we would run, like just like the first day, like we would just like run around the field, which was, you know, the field's a hundred, a hundred yards or whatever with the end zone, maybe 120 yards. And we were, we didn't run very far. We ran around twice and I'm like 11 or 12 and I'm like dying, you know, <laughs> but I liked football and I was kind of a big kid. And, and I, I, so we, we did that like every day, you know, every day for practice, that's how we like warmed up or whatever. And I never really progressed, you know, like during the year, I didn't progress in terms of like getting in shape because it was like too hard for me almost, you know, um, I did well, I played, you know, I started and stuff like that, but I just wasn't, I wasn't very good, but I liked football a lot. So the next year I was like, that's not happening to me again. You know, like when we go and run, like I want that to at least, at least feel halfway easy. Like I saw a lot of other kids they're like sprinting it. They're having fun. They're laughing. And here's me like I'm like holding my, your ass. Yeah, I'm holding my side and I'm, I'm like dying, you know. So yeah. I started to learn that, you know, it would be smart to try to have. That's when I was like, oh, I'll go out for track because in track, they're probably going to make us run anyway. And so I've always found that to be useful, too. Like what, if you can partner up with somebody or if you can get involved in something organized to where you're kind of forced to do something like I think you're better off, you know, people are in the gym and they have headphones on. It's like the one rule at super training. You can't have headphones on because I want, I'd rather have you train with somebody else. I'd rather have, I'd rather have okay. you come into the gym and you have this plan that you're going to do a five by five. Right. And you, but you're going to be off in the corner and like doing it yourself. Like I think you'd be more effective. Even if I took you out of your workout, I think if we train together, it'd be a lot more effective. So that that's kind of my, you know, some of my, uh, some of my process, but the, you know, getting into the routines deeper and stuff started, um, probably when I started doing some boxing, I, I was getting into boxing and like, same thing again, like, you know, you're throwing punches, you're hitting the bag and you can't breathe worth the crap, you know? And I was boxing after school. And then, so I was like, well, I'll just wake up early and I'll, I'll just run. You know, so I would wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and I would go and run. And I, I, I was a huge Mike Tyson fan yeah. and I saw he used to wake up at like three 30 in the morning and go <laughs> run. and he talked about how the other guy is not doing it. He's like, that's all the satisfaction I need. I just know the other guy is not doing it. And I was like, wow. So like I, 
you know, I, I wasn't like I did that every day for years on end or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I did mess with that. I remember, uh, years ago as well. Um, this is when I was, this is actually probably even younger. I'm probably like 13 or so. And my brother's telling me about, um, uh, how the Bulgarians trained. My oldest brother's telling me about the Bulgarians, tra- how they trained. And he shows me this like manual or whatever. And they, they work out three times a day. So I'm like, I'm like, I can't work out three times a day. I'm like, I got school, you know? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, but he goes, you can work out in the morning before school and you can work out after school. I was like, oh, it's perfect. And the summer was coming up. The summer was coming up. So I'm like, I'll do this like Bulgarian training, like all, you know, all through the summer. So really for me, it wasn't about, I think sometimes people, people uh, maybe get confused and they think, man, that guy's so dedicated. For me, it was just like, that's what I was interested in. I was really, I was really into it. And um, especially back then, there was never a time because it was me just like going into our own basement. We had, we had our own weights and stuff. My dad, my dad actually ended up getting us, I don't know how he knew like what to get or whatever, but he got us like a squat rack got us like real weights i mean and we had like a we had a cool we didn't have anything fancy we didn't have any we didn't have a lot of stuff but we had a barbell we had olympic plates um it was everything you needed to to do bench squat and deadlift and and to do some curls and get and get and get Get those beach muscles baby (laughs) yeah so i was i was in there all the time and i would say another thing that helped me a lot with my discipline is the fact that half of our basement uh when i i grew up in new york half of our basement was um my dad's tax practice and the other half of it was our weight room and so like i kind of saw like business and and lifting like always going together because they were like literally right next to each other so i would get done working out i would get done lifting and then i would pop over into my dad's like office and my dad would say hey let me show you some of this stuff and he'd show me stuff on his computer and he'd be like hey i did taxes for this guy this guy and he would show me like all this money that he made he'd show me like cash you know he'd show me like checks he'd be like why you were in there like messing around with weights you know he'd always call it oh why you're in there screwing around he's like i'm here, I'm in here making money but like while i was doing that he like literally made like you know 3 or 300 or 500 bucks and I, you know, as a kid, when you see that kind of money, you're like, oh my God. So I always kind of uh, put those, put those two things together. I love that. And again, I think this is, it's so fucking interesting, man. Cause you just look at people from the outside and you're like, okay, there's, you know, something's happened there, something's different. And it just makes so much sense. You know, you're, <laughs> you're so passionate about both of those individual aspects that you like, I just knew at some point in time that that, that had to be a part of it. And it makes so much sense. So I'm interested to, to, to kind of get to, to know, obviously, you're, you're an incredible businessman. You've obviously had great success, obviously from the sound of things that was kind of instilled from you at a very young age by your father. So I'm interested to, to, to kind of uh, to hear prior to the birth of the Slim Shot, how many ideas did you have about various different other accessories, things? How many flops did you have? How many times did you have to eat shit before you finally got the, the, the right product? And how was that journey? Yeah, you know, I have, I've had a lot of different ideas uh, over the years. Um, I know, like, you know, I'd be lifting and I would think, like, oh, man, it'd be cool if someone made this, you know. And I would always say, like, it'd be cool if someone made that. It'd be cool, if, you know. And then I was like, well, why do I always say that? Like, why don't I – maybe I should make something myself, you know, <laughs> have the initiative to, like, you know, to make it. And 
you know, the, the, the times that we're in, and, and this is 10 years, 12 years ago or so, um, you know, I, I, I went to like a Starbucks, I had my phone, my iPhone, and I had an iPad, and I would just like, I don't know, uh, you know, research stuff, I'd go on like powerlifting watch and like, see where people are in their in their, you know, with their lifts and stuff like that. But I also just very simply like, you know, did a Google search and, and would look, look at, uh, look at different equipment and different stuff. And I was just like fascinated by it, you know, and I, I always wanted to like try to get more equipment for the gym or, or stuff like that, but I didn't even have any money at the time. So I would just like look at it at like, like daydreaming almost, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, this before the slingshot, I didn't really have an invention that I really tried to do anything with. Um, this the slingshot, like the story of the slingshot is the story of the slingshot. I didn't really have a lot of um, I didn't have a lot of back and forth with the manufacturer. I didn't um, I didn't have a lot of failures with it. I started very very slow. And, you know, I was also I was also very lucky because my wife went to business school. And so my wife um, and then my wife has some business experience as well, even before we started this business. So, you know, she was the one like, hey, if we're going to do this, let's let's you know, let's do it slow. Let's like not have too much money out. Like let's. And so the first investment of slingshots, I want to say it was like about 800 bucks. Wow. Which to us time was a lot. So, you know, so what time is this? What what's the year? This is, yeah, this is just about tw about twelve years ago or so. Okay, you know? okay. So yeah, relative amount. Yeah, and it, and just because we just didn't have much money, so that's why it was that's why it was a lot to us at the time. Yeah. Um, and and those slingshots, they were they were crappy. You know, they were they were kind of like an ace bandage. You know, and and they were. Uh, I wanted to make them red because all powerlifters wear black because everybody's fat. And so everyone's, <laughs> everyone's trying to look a little bit skinnier, right? And so I made the slingshot red so that it would I, – I wanted to make it stand out. You know, I wanted to make it be something that people could see across the gym and then they'd say, hey, what's that that you're wearing, you know? And uh, so I made it red, but like the first batch of slingshots would turn your skin red too. And they just like smelled weird and like it was just a nightmare. So I tried to, I tried to put them in our uh, washer to try to wash the dye out because oh, I shit, noticed that yeah. you could put water on it and some of the dye would come out of it. So we put them in the washer, tried to wash a lot of the red out, and they they broke our washer. Oh shit! They got all tangled up around the uh, <laughs> around the washer, and and also that didn't work either. They still turned you red and they were still weird, but. Uh, I just found a different manufacturer and then, uh, you know, got a, got a slingshot made from there. But I've always been tinkering with stuff. I've always been, like, messing around with different pieces of powerlifting equipment, uh, knee wraps, knee sleeves, uh, wrist wraps. And I had a whole entire room in, in, uh, in this house that we lived in that just had powerlifting gear. So, you know how people, like as they start to power lift or do strongman for longer and longer, their gym bag gets a lot bigger. Oh dude. Yeah. Like, you should see the size of my motherfucking house. It's just insane. <laughs> giant. It's like a giant hockey bag, right? It's like, just got so much stuff in there. Right? And, uh, for me, it's like, you know, that exploded into like me having this like room full of just like squat suits and bench shirts oh, wow. and, and all this stuff. And so I would kind of just like mess around with the different, types of equipment that was in there 
So is this very different brands? Are you taking bits of like just different branded things or is this all stuff that you're getting manufactured and you're like, oh, I like this, I like that. What are you doing? No, it's all just it's all just existing brands. You know, it's like an Inzer bench shirt and a metal squat suit and stuff. And at the time, I was very fortunate to be sponsored by Elite, by Elite FTS um dot com and uh dave tate and so i i would have a lot of gear from them and i would get obsessed about the different wraps and stuff that they had and um i remember like taking a wrap and like trying to wrap it around my knee and then up around my hip and then back down around my knee to try to make like almost like a slingshot for the lower body and that was even that was even before i ever made the actual slingshot but i was just like fascinated i i would put the I would put a um, uh, like a wrist wrap or like a knee wrap. I would just like wrap it around like my wrist and then have it go like over my elbow and then down under like my armpit and like just move around with it. Cause I was like, this is freaking cool. It's like, it has like, you know, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So like when I went to push, it would like pull you a little bit. Or when you went to pull on it, it would push you a little bit. And I was like, wow, this is like just super neat how this, how this works. And I didn't even have the idea for the slingshot at that time. I was just like kind of just playing around with stuff. And then, um, I got injured a bunch of times, torn my pec a bunch of times. And then it was just a matter of me trying to, you know, solve that problem for myself. Like, how do I stop doing this? How do I stop tearing my pec? How do I, how do I continue to train and do the things that I love, uh, without getting hurt? So it's almost birthed, birthed out of necessity absolutely and then from there i one day i was going to put on a shirt and i put the shirt over both arms without putting it over my head yet and i just kind of like moved my arms back and i was like i'm like holy shit i think that would work because that would spot like your elbows just the way that someone would spot your elbows on like an incline dumbbell bench press or something like that and so um which is a matter of like trying to figure out how to get it made and then you know anybody that's Anybody that has an idea or a creation, I think that you you probably know, you probably have access to more people than you know, than than you really can think, than you really think you do. Yeah. You have a lot more power than than you think you do. Like as we mentioned with Eddie Hall, he had to like harness that, but it was already like inside of him. Yeah, a lot of Ross actually speaks about it a lot, just kind of tapping into that potential in your brain. It's it's incredible. Absolutely, and a, a lot of us have a lot more potential than we than we think. And there's like, cause I think that somebody, somebody might think, oh, like, you know, that I grew up wealthy or that I knew somebody or like n- none of that happened that way. Really. It was more like, it was more like just me sitting down and really thinking about it. Like, okay, I had this idea, I had this creation. Okay. I, kn- I kind of know what I want it to look like, but who do I know that can like sew it together? You know, and if you're, if you, the people listening right now, if you're to think about, do you know someone local that's a mechanic? Do you know someone local that can fix your plumbing? Do you know some like you know these people like or, or you know a friend that knows somebody that knows somebody, right? And you can you can find these people. So you can be really resourceful and for me it was um you know I was asked my wife, you know, and she's like I don't know how to sew anything like that. And uh she's like but my friend she, you know, so she makes swimsuits for our swim team. My wife's on a swim team. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, well, I'll talk to her. So I went and met her at a Starbucks, the same Starbucks that I'm like, you know, searching for stuff online uh, at. And um, I talked to her about this design. She's like, oh, that would be easy. She's like, I have a, you know, industrial sewing machine, you know. So she has this machine. She sews these things together. And she comes back a couple of days later with 
what is now the slingshot. And when she showed it to me, she's like, well, she's like, here it is. And I was like, well, is it, I was like, do you think it's sturdy? You think it's good? You know, she's like, well, try it out. You know, so I put it on and I moved my arms around a little bit. I'm like, okay, stay right here. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm like, there's a gym just like a couple hundred feet that way. I'm like, I'm going to go run in there and I'm going to bench press. So I <laughs> <laughs> and I benched 35 for a few reps, and then I benched uh, 225 for a few reps, and the weight was just kind of bouncing off my chest, like slingshotting off my chest. And I was like, "Holy shit!" I'm like, "This is awesome." I kind of rack the weights, and as I as I get up off the bench, I I'm just like covered in like goosebumps because I'm like so excited about it. And then from there, it was a matter of like it was like a winning lottery ticket. Now all you got to do is like cash it in, but a little more complicated because I just had to figure out you know, where to get it made. And, you know, then there's a lot of things to think about, you, you know, you, there's how to start a business is like having an invention and, and having a business are two totally separate things. They, they don't have much to do with each other. Uh, although the inventor, um, may be able to like hustle it a little bit better because they might know why they made it, but that's kind of where, that's kind of where the, your luck runs out as a, as an inventor. So luckily, you know, I, I invented it and, Luckily, my wife ha has the business side down to where she can handle all the stuff of like, you know, how much money we spend on advertising and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I'm interested to, to, to hop into it as well, because I think this is, again, another dynamic that not a lot of people think about. But for you, <clears throat> working with your wife as a business partner, I think that in of itself is a really interesting dynamic. So how do you guys handle that? Do you guys say like, okay no fucking business talk after 6 p.m. Are you guys just constantly on board with each other? Do you find that because you've done it for a little while now, you kind of, you know the signs and signals and it's like, okay, right, I know when I need to get the fuck out of the room because I've done something wrong and I bought something that I shouldn't have and I, I know when, when everything is going well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the uh, business stuff, I think, you know, early on we had to, not, not, not in the very beginning, in the very beginning, it's like, we talk about it nonstop, you know, yeah. um, because it just, it has to be talked about and we it's were both passionate. so excited about it. Um, but yeah, as time went on and as like, you know, we're, you know, my, I have a 12 year old daughter and a 16 year old son, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make sure they're okay too, you know, trying to make sure everything's going good with them and make sure the relationships with them are good. And so, um, yeah, we did kind of make some rules. We would like, um, Maybe like if we were going out to eat, we would just bring like one phone. That way we just didn't have two phones. Like she would just have her phone and it's in her purse. And the only reason why we brought a phone is just in case there was an emergency with the kids or something yeah. like that you know, or a babysitter or something need to get a hold of us or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, we'd have some rules like that. And then we would say like when we sat down to eat, it's okay, look, you know, because we, we are not like with each other, you know, nonstop. So would say okay look first 15 minutes let's talk a little bit about like a couple things that i need to say about this new product or or whatever or, uh you know Just that, that we about. yeah we get it get it out and and then you know we have a couple of drinks and enjoy the rest of the night and don't talk about it again so a lot of things like that but um what she does is so different than what i do um she's really the actual like boss like i don't <laughs> i don't I don't like, I don't even, um, I guess if I didn't want to, like, I don't even, I don't have to communicate with our, with our staff if I, if I chose not to, like, I, don't, I just don't, I don't really need to, but I'm like their friend, I'm their buddy, I'm their mentor, I'm their, 
you know, so it's, it's different. Uh, we, we have different, different roles, but she's the one that's like, you know, going to bring the hammer down on anything that, that needs to, uh, really get done. But the dynamic works good because, you know, some, sometimes she'll say, Hey, I got this idea. And, you know, she'll tell me about like a, an idea that she has. And I'll just say, so that idea is crap. <laughs> so she's she's like stepping into my into my territory, you know, like stepping into my like, You're like nope, bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, st- stay in your lane, lady. You know? <laughs> and then uh, sometimes I I may say something. Hey, like uh, you know, have we tried this or tried? She's like, oh my god. She's like, just get out of here. You know, she'll just say that. It's like, why are you talking I, about the person? This? <laughs> yeah, the person that the person that is like working on the various things that we have to work on. It's like, you think of everything, you know, like people have come to me and they're like, Hey, have you ever thought about, you know, doing this with a slingshot or doing that with a slingshot? It's like, fuck yeah, of course I have, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think about it day and night. I've been thinking about it for the last 12 years. So yeah, but yeah, it works out well. We, we don't really, um, I get, I guess the only time we, we have like argued about anything is, is sometimes, just on like how to handle uh, people, you know, how to handle uh, how to handle a customer, how to handle uh, an employee. Um, but I think that's like normal. I think that's very normal in relationships. Period. Yeah. Uh, you know, how are we going to handle uh, you know your dad? You know, drinking too much, or how are we going to handle you know like you know there there. I think those scenarios I think come up a lot in in relationships where you know you're talking about a family member and then. You know, um, you, you just are you, you just have difference of opinion on how to handle that person or how to interact with that person. And then the same things happen um, when you have a business and when you have uh, employees and stuff like that. But, yeah, other than that, I think like we see eye to eye. Well, uh, so something that makes the business effective is that we don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. We don't really fight about it, but like um, it brings discussion out though, right? Like because you have those opposing points. It's like okay, right now I get to see the shit from your side of things, and I can now try and kind of elicit my side of things for you yeah. to see. Yeah, well, you know, the, you know, you really want to, um, you want as many problems as possible in a business, and I think people don't understand that. You want all the problems to be like conjured up. You want all the problems to be like kicked up so you can get rid of them. You know, like you can, you got, you, you learn about them, you fail fast, you get the failing out of the way, just like with lifting, mess up a bunch of times, hurt yourself a bunch of times. Okay. Now I got this new knowledge. Now I can go out and kick some ass. Right. And so it's a very, it's a very similar thing, but because like I'm more, she might say, Hey, you know, this, 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 uh, thing that we're doing, you know, it's, it's, it costs quite a bit of money, you know, I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> because I I don't care I don't care about money you know so but like for her that's kind of her her job with the business is to you know pay attention to the pay attention to all the money you know and pay yeah. attention to the, what's it what's it being allocated for and you know what are we using it for and are we getting the most out of it are we going to get a nice return you know from it um, I I like to just kind of like go and just like try stuff I like even. We did an advertisement on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast at one point, and I believe it was like, I think it was like 50k. But I was just to do one ad. But I knew that I knew that it would, I knew that we'd get our money back, you know. So I knew it's like, hey, it's just like, you know, it's just like loaning somebody money for a minute, and they just they give it right back, you know. 
And she's like, it doesn't work that way. It's not that simple. I'm like, I'm like, I, you know, I think it will, it will work out well. And it, it worked out fine. But like, you know, I, I'm the one who's kind of always like, yeah, let's do it. You know, whatever it is, like I'm, I'm pretty much down to do it. And then she's very, um, she thinks about it more factual. She's trying to like, you know, be more reasonable. She about almost it. like runs it through the mill, figures out whether like this is something that's justifiable and what the processes are. It's like, you're the one that's just ideas into the funnel and then that kind of drip feeds down. And then she's like, right, I'm going to take care of all of this bullshit, which you actually need to run the business. <laughs> Hundred percent, but it's, it's 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 really interesting, isn't it? Because again, it plays into uh, I don't know if you like listen to Gary Vee or know much about that, but kind of like his whole concept of like stop trying to take your time to learn and get better at the shit that you're bad at, and find other people that are great at that. And I think for you, obviously, this is perfect because it's your other half, so you're you're around them every day. But for people that are listening in, like whether that's business partners or someone else, like don't feel like you need to take the time to go, okay, right, now I need to stop worrying about all of these ideas and try and figure out the process. It's like, okay, no, keep on doing your shit and just find someone else to do all the stuff that you're not good at. And obviously that dynamic has just probably kind of grown and materialized over the years. Some of, some of it reminds me a little bit of like cooking, you know, like where you cook something and you're like, oh, that was pretty good. And then the next time you go to cook that same thing, you're like, oh, I wonder if I added like cheese to this or if I wonder if I added this to that, like it might be a little bit better. And then so you try it and you're like, ah, it didn't work. But then you try, you know, next time you add something different to it because you thought about it from last time because you learned that it, it wasn't that good the, the, the way you made it the previous time. And each time you're able to like make it, you know, fit your taste better, you know, fit your taste buds better. And then I think business is the same way like don't ever wait for anything like start to sprinkle that garlic on right away just get that salt on there right away and just try it was it you know you added salt and now it's too salty that's okay next time just don't put that much salt on you know and i think it's important uh to put you know people should know this about businesses i mean they put products out and a lot of times as a consumer you're scratching your head you're like i can't even believe they put this out this thing's crap well they put it out because they, they already know that it's crap but they have a second edition that they're working on at the moment and they're going to work on, um, you know, like people that are like into video games, like every year, you know, for some of these video games, especially the sports video games, they, every year they insert like a couple extra things to make it better than it was previous year. Right. Yeah. And, and they could have probably just, they could probably just input whatever they want into it, you know, in, in year one, but, they they uh, they don't. But then there's a lot of kinks to work out and stuff too, though. Every time, you know, every time you make or create stuff, um, you know, we have we've had a lot of knee sleeves and stuff. We've had things rip. We've had things. We've had all kinds of issues, but all of those problems are always really good. Like we had uh, a type of knee sleeve that we had for a while. Just the way that it was stitched, um, it wasn't always lined up 100% at the factory where they were manufacturing it. And so it wasn't always completely sewn together, but we couldn't tell when we, when we would test them, when we would pull on them, they were okay. But once someone wore them like 10, 15 times, they would start to come like unraveled or unstitched. And it wasn't all of them, but it was a, a good majority of them. And at first, you know, I'm losing my mind. Cause I'm like, you know, we can't have this, you know, we have quality check. Like we're paying attention to this. We, we pay good money for these products. And, and now that people are frustrated with us. But then I realized it's just an opportunity to get closer to the customer because the customer is really pissed. 
but that customer that's really mad, the second you make things right, they are so pumped and they tell everybody about it. So, you know, they're like, you know, they'll, they'll what they'll do at first is they'll post a picture of the sleeve ripped. And they'll be like, fuck you, Mark Bell, your products are junk, you know? And then I would see that screen captured or something. And then we would talk about how to handle these things, um, you know, as a company. And the best thing is to, you know, communicate with that person. It's great if we can get them on the phone. I would even a lot of times call people and they'd be like, no, this is Mark Bell. And like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Like I sent you, you're, you're right. The thing's a piece of shit, you know? And, and, uh, we're, we're working on it. We're working on making things better over here, but I want to send you, you know, an autograph slingshot and a, and a book or something like that, you know, just whatever, whatever way, you know, even ask them, Hey, you know, how do I make, how do I make this right in your eyes? Cause I know that we I know that we sold your product. You thought it was going to work a certain way and it's not doing that, so I want to I want to clear that up. Yeah, and I think it, again it's so interesting with with a lot of these businesses especially as they grow, I think it's they begin to lose sight and lose track and lose touch with their customers, with what their original ideal was, the reason they started out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, as someone that is in this industry, I'm really interested to to kind of find out how do you keep yourself grounded how do you keep yourself focused on like the bigger general picture obviously you know you're creating some incredible products out there um and you're always looking to innovate you're always looking to adapt so is it a case of that you're taking suggestions from people within the industry you're just listening to what they're saying are you kind of getting direct feedback on products is a lot of your stuff just you testing stuff out and going, okay, what would I want more of as an athlete? What would I want less of as an athlete? How does that process work? Uh, pretty much every single thing that we currently have at Slingshot um, has come directly from me. Like logos, um, I mean, this this logo, the strong logo here, the power logo, the, the Slingshot logo itself the slingshot itself all the knee sleeves knee wraps i mean it pretty much pretty much everything um where you know where things really come into play is like um sometimes the naming of stuff and sometimes uh sometimes like sometimes to make a product a little bit better that's where a lot of the role of, of the other people will come in like the staff but a lot of that was <clears throat> I would have to say a lot of that was um, me in the beginning stages being very protective of of what I what I was creating, you know. So for 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 example, like I don't I don't read, you know. Like, and one of the reasons why I don't read is like I don't want to read anybody else's story. I feel like I'm too busy creating my own. And so like when it comes to like showing somebody something, it was very personal to me, and I didn't I. I know that having their advice would be helpful because it can make the product better. However, I didn't want it to skew my creativity. So I didn't want to like show somebody something and say like, Hey dude, like check out this new knee sleeve. You know, what do you think of it? Like if, if it wasn't far enough along, then obviously they would have a lot of criticism. But I already know that because it's like not fully developed. Right. But if I show you, for I'll use like a gangster knee sleeve as an example. So we make knee sleeves that are called gangster knee sleeves, and oh, the yeah. gangster 
lenses. They're uh, nine millimeters. They're super, super thick, right? So if I just told you about a gangster knee sleeve, hey, I got this idea. You know, we make the gangster wraps. Now we're going to make the gangster knee sleeve, and it's going to be, you know, really, really thick. You might be like, well, ah, my knee sleeves work pretty good as it is. You know, it's what's really going to be the difference. You know, but if I show it to you and say, hey, look at this thing. You know, and it's and it looks good. You know, aesthetically, it looks nice. Say, so, dude, put this on. You know, it takes you a little while to put it on because they're they're so damn thick and strong and stuff. You put them on, you do a squat workout, and you go, holy shit. You know, like that. That's that's kind of why I kept a lot of stuff, you know, to myself, and that's how I that's how I you know continued to you know bring bring products to to the market and stuff like that. And and now though it it works it works quite a bit differently you know I I ask my staff you know um, what ingenuity what creativity can you bring to the table because I would I would love your input on these things I'd love to be able to and then um, we also try to figure out like ways to um, reward them for that too like you know you you're going to get recognized as like being you know being part of this like we'll make sure from a financial perspective that you get taken care of because wow. this is know your idea or your part of it you know that's dope man i love that yeah so you're trying to really you know utilize you know more people's brains than just one and um that that has really been helpful in the last couple months especially because of the quarantine so i'm like what can we do you know what can we do you know and everyone's like well maybe we can make some stuff that people can use at home or maybe we can just advertise that the slingshot can be used at home and the hip circle will be used at home and uh and things like that and so we've we've done a couple things where we've you know put some stuff on sale as a combination pack things that you can have at home um we also did a i think it's on my website right now we did a it's called beat the boredom pack and it has like uh it's got cards you know like playing some cards it's got um it has a uh it has a puzzle of me <laughs> that you, that you, <laughs> I think uh, I think there might be like a jump rope in there and stuff like that. So yeah, just like, you know, and then, you know, it's all just like stuff of like, what's going on in the world right now? You know, what 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 are what are people doing at the moment? We made a shirt that said "Quarantine Strong" and "Quarantine's like slashed out." Just just simple stuff like that. And then, when it comes to the actual like industry and getting the pulse of the industry and trying to figure out uh, what people want. I would say that it's it's pretty um, it's pretty cool to put stuff out and then to see other companies copy it. You know, that's that's Which a good. Which has happened sign. a lot, right? Yeah, that's that's a, that's <laughs> a really that's a really good sign that you made a product uh, not only that everybody wants, but you made a product that other companies are recognized. Hey, that's actually like some easy money for me. I can I can you know make that as well. And I don't I never really view it as a. I don't care. I don't care what other companies do. I it's just the try to focus flattery, right? Yeah, I just focus in on 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 what we're doing. But um, yeah, it is it is kind of a tough thing. Like, what's going to be the next thing that we can create that really uh, moves the needle, that really provides value for people? And that's that's kind of hard because you don't want to bullshit people, and you don't want to get into making like weird products, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, so making shit for the sake of making shit. It's like you want to yeah. make stuff that's gonna be utilized and it's gonna be, you know, well respected. And it's like everyone wants to be that person that wants to make the item that is a hundred percent necessary in everyone's kit bag. You know, <laughs> everyone wants to make that one piece of kit that you're like, oh bro, have you got this yet? Oh no, I haven't tried it yet. Oh man, it's life changing. You gotta put this on, try this. It's like that's what everyone's heading towards, right? That's what we all want. 
and a lot of that stuff is usually like super simple, you know, like what's something that everyone needs? It's like, okay, well, everyone needs chalk. And it's like, well, chalk's not that exciting though, you know, like, so you're trying to think of like, and, and the truth is, and we know this is like, you don't really need anything, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, people were lifting in the seventies and they were jacked as fuck, right? Like Bill Kazmaier and those guys, like they, they, uh, they looked great. I mean, they, they ate a lot of food, probably took, probably took a little extra stuff here and there. And, uh, and they trained really hard, you know, and they were just, they, they looked great and they were super strong. So, you know, I, I think that's also an important message to share with people. Like at the moment, I'm, I'm actually getting into making uh, some supplements and, Sweet. you know, what, it's, it's important for people to understand, like, you don't really need supplements. You don't, you don't need a slingshot. You don't need wrist wraps. Um, it may, it may for you personally, it may make the job feel a little easier. You know, it may, it may make you feel a little bit better about the job that you're about to do. I, I kind of think of, um, elbow sleeves and knee sleeves and things like that a little bit as like a uniform, you know? Like, uh, you know, football player has like certain uniform they put on to go do their stuff. And uh, that's the way that's the way powerlifting was viewed years ago when when uh, the powerlifting equipment was in there with squat suits and the bench shirts and stuff. It wasn't viewed as cheating. It was viewed as like, this is my squat suit, just like you wear a business suit to a business meeting. Right. It wasn't any different than that. And, yeah, it gave you some support, but it also kept you alive. It kept you in the sport for a longer period of time. And. I think that might be why guys like Matt Winning and guys like myself um, are able to still tra- and and Chris Duffin are, are able to still go after it and are able to still be again fully capable. All three of us can come out of retirement and and continue to compete. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, you know having that supportive gear for so many years. I think that was helpful. Yeah, massively so. And I think that brings it around perfectly. I uh, I, I, I end the, the podcast the, the same way. Everyone gets the same question. And I'm, I'm interested to hear what you might say. So for a second, I want you uh, to imagine that you're stepping into a time machine. You're traveling back in time and you get to visit your younger self. You spend a few minutes with them, 10, 11, 12 years of, of age, you know, got your whole life ahead of you. And, uh, and, and you're very impressionable at that age. You get to spend a few moments there. You know, imparting a form of uh, wisdom, knowledge, a mantra, a way to live your life, something to help your younger self get through all of the bullshit that you know that you have ahead of yourself to come to get to where you are today. What do you give them? Yeah, I would just say I would if I could give if I could give myself my younger self or or give people anything, it would be, you know, uh, knowledge, because I think that, uh, again, um, the ability to solve problems is where all happiness and all success comes from. I'm a big believer in that. So, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast, you can even challenge that. I would like you to kind of think about the different uh, problems that you have in your life. And if they got solved, what would you be? You would most likely be pretty pumped. You'd most likely be pretty happy, right? <clears throat> and then the only way that we solve problems is through correcting errors and correcting 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 the problems that we've had previously or correcting the mistakes that we made previously. And that's the only way that the knowledge is created in the first place. So, so you, you do have to fail. It's not like you can, you can't like go back and tell your younger self not to mess up. You know, you can't give yourself like, I think this is an interesting thing. Like if there was a pill, if I could give you a pill and I said, Matt, this is going to take away all your problems. 
Like I hope I hope that you're smart enough to be super reluctant. Yeah, fuck that. No, just even yeah, right? Because you need problems in order to in order to learn. You don't need necessarily heartache and you don't necessarily need to go through like really rough times for things to work out well. Yeah. Or I think it's a little bit of a misconception, but you you do have to fuck up, you know, you have to yeah, mess you gotta up. You got to get slapped in the face a little bit. And so, you know, as much as I would love to uh, you know, have given myself more knowledge, I think it was important that that I did mess up, but it was also important that I learned from all those mistakes. So, I think that would be kind of the main thing that I would that would, I would share with younger people is like you're going to mess up, you're going to make mistakes. Please just continue to learn from those mistakes and also understand that there's a massive difference between continuing to gain knowledge and uh, going to school. And you know there's a massive difference between education, educating yourself, self-education is dominant self-education will beat the crap out of any organized education that there will ever be because what you have gone and 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 uh seeked out for yourself through strongman training far exceeds anything that you were forced to learn in school um, yeah right yeah because it's 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 a it's an it's an area of interest to you. It's something you identify with. It's something other people identify you as, right? And so it, it really, um, it's not hard, right? And that's, that's another thing is I think people think, oh man, you know, it's all about hard work. And yes, you do have to work uh, often. You do have to work a lot. But the work isn't really that hard because you're so interested in it anyway. Yes, it can bust your balls. And yes, it can like, it can be tough and yes, our yeah. intensity level is kind of hard. And every once in a while you're like, yeah, that's going to be a real motherfucker of a workout. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, it's, it's not really, it would be harder. I, I say this uh, quite a bit. It'd be harder for you and I to go to the library, you know, like we don't, <laughs> we don't want to go to the library. Like we, we don't, we don't want, we don't want to study. Oh fuck. Yeah. The sight yeah. of us two walking through the local library, just, just trying to pick out things yeah. to read. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to study or read. We want to like, we want to lift. Like this is what we're interested in. So I, I think those would be, you know, those would be some of the things I would share. And, and my, one of my favorite things is, is this too, is that, you know, the only thing that we have control over, the only thing we have rule over is uh, the way that we think about things, the way that we interpret stuff, you know, and I think that's really important. I know people say that quite a bit, but you can think that about anything. You can think that about the quarantine. You can think that about cancer. You can think that, I mean, it, it's, I've seen people do it. You know, I've seen, I've seen close friends have uh, one of my, one of my good friends, his daughter, uh, had leukemia. And at first, you know, it, it hit the family like a ton of bricks, you know? And then my friend's wife said, she goes, listen, anytime anyone comes to this hospital, we do not cry. And it's like, well, wait, are we going to turn into robots? How do we not cry? You know, this, this young, you know, six-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl has leukemia, you know? How do we not, how do we not cry? She's losing her hair. You know, how do we not cry and type of thing? Well, what she said was, she said, if you're going to cry, do it outside of the hospital. When we're in here, we're going to stay strong. We're going to stay positive, And we're going to make sure that Ava sees that we're, we're excited to see her every day and that we're not interpreting this as some sort of imminent doom. You know, we're not, 
we're not uh, perceiving this as the end. We're perceiving this as a process that she has to go through. She needs X amount of treatment. So you can you can take facts and you can implement them from any situation, no matter how problematic it is, and you can start to kind of unwind it a little bit and you can just relax a little bit. Even with what's going on right now, even with this pandemic, yes, it has killed a lot of people, but let's face it, it's not nearly as dangerous as we originally thought. It was a good idea to shut things down for a while, but now it's time for people to fucking get back to work. It's time for the healthy people to come back out. And I mean, if you just, again, if you're just taking in the facts, again, I know it's dangerous. I know it's killed a lot of people and I'm not going to downplay that. But if you take in the facts, then you can say, okay, well, it probably makes sense for a lot of us to get back to work so we don't continue to kill the economy, so people's minds uh, aren't screwed up, so people don't want to kill themselves and, and things of that nature, and we we start to you know we start to open things back up again. But yeah, you can you can reinterpret just about anything. The worst thing that's ever happened to you, you can work on uh, you can work on having a reinterpret i mean even death look at how people scared people are so scared to, uh, of dying right but then how many people do you know or how many times have you seen somebody say that they've died before like they they're like they're like i i was on my deathbed but then what does it do it advances their life it makes their life better so like we don't know anything about death you know there's a saying that says uh people don't know anything about death because they haven't done it yet you know <laughs> but like some of these people that have experienced death or had near-death experiences, um, I've never really heard anybody say, like, my life was fucked uh, ever since that day, you know, that I got in that car accident I nearly died. They usually talk about it as if it's, like, the best thing that ever happened to them. So I think that we don't even – a lot of times we don't even know what we're fearing. We don't even know what we're scared of. Yeah, 100%. There's, uh, there's a lot of things that it's just about where you stand. It's just about the perspective. It's just about what light is being cast on the issue and where the shadow is and where you are in relation to that. And I think, you know, if you take, sometimes it takes takes you a, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Sometimes, you know, it, it might be several years later, but you'll look back and you'll go, fuck, right. Yeah, that had to happen in order for me to do this or to think that this way or be put in that position or, you know, have that done to me. And then that shapes you as a human being. I completely agree with you. And man, that's a, it's a beautiful way to, uh, to end the podcast. That was absolutely excellent, man. Thank you so much for coming on board. It's been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, I mean, there's a million and one things that we could talk about. So I'd love to have you back on at some point, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully you're just uh, thinking of this as part one here. Oh, hell yeah. Exactly. A hundred percent.